Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I want to welcome everyone here today, and I want to welcome those online also, because this is your first live service in a very long time, and we are so glad that you can join us online. And um, yeah, I get the distinct pleasure, by the way, of um, being, well, last week, uh, Andy, Pastor Andy talked about the... Um, the, just kind of an intro to prayer. And today I get to do the kickoff of uh, the first in a series that we are doing on prayer. And we here at Family Church are so excited about this because prayer, ooh, look at that. See, God's excited too. And, um, and uh, yeah, ooh, it's, it's kind of made me lose my train of thought there, thinking the heavens are thundering above me. God's saying, yeah, prayer. Um, yeah, and I'm really excited. We're all really excited here about prayer because, you know, to a lot of people, prayer is sort of like, you know, if, if they were really being honest um, and, and, you were t and they were to say what they really thought of prayer, a lot of pre people struggle with prayer. They struggle to find the time. They struggle sitting there wondering what to say. They struggle um, talking to God because, you know, maybe they don't have a good perception of God. Um, and, you know, a lot of times in, uh, I think, prayer to even Christians has been reduced to, like, it's a boring thing that Christians have to do, okay? Just, you got to do it, all right? You know, or the other thing is, um, thank you. It's been, um, it's one of those, it's considered one of those like last minute, very powerless things that's, it's been reduced to, you know, in times of trouble when everything else has failed and we say, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. Hmm. Is it that bad? <laughs> you know, and that's kind of how prayer is viewed, you know, as, the, as, as a powerless thing, um, you know, a thing that people don't tend to feel, um, a lot of Christians, I'm not saying all Christians, but if you were to, if people were to speak honestly, that they feel very dissatisfied with their prayer life. Now, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise your hands, but this is why we're excited, because we would like to share with you what the Word of God actually says about prayer. And the reason why I think a lot of Christians struggle with prayer, because as with a lot of um, Christian principles and things that we learn in the Bible, prayer being the one we're discussing, is people are, are basing their knowledge of something like prayer on things like hearsay or superstitions or, or traditions. Well, why, you know, why do you pray? Well, you know, my great uncle prayed and then, you know, his son prayed and he prayed. Well, why do you pray? I don't know. I guess I just do it because they did it, you know? No, that's not a good enough reason. It's not a, a reason that makes you want to go into prayer. It's just because it's a tradition. I must do this. Um, uh, and, you know, I think, as with a lot of things in the Christian world, um, when we don't know what the Bible says, a lot of what we believe about things is just made up. See? God agrees with me. He's like, yeah, Gina, go, girl. All right. Because this is what the Bible actually says about prayer. Okay, this is what it actually says, and I'm going to read this. Um, it might be up there, and it won't be in the Amplified Version because I don't think they have it, but I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version, and it's James 5.16. This is what the Bible says prayer is. The earnest, 
heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. That's what the Bible says about prayer. So this is what we need to begin to get into our hearts and into our heads when we consider our prayer life as a Christian. Um, okay, so this is a definition of prayer, a very simple definition, but accurate, and it's this. It's a very basic one. It's talking to God, and it's a direct address to God. That's what it is. It's talking to God, as simple as that. But where did it come from? Where did this whole idea of talking to God come from? Did you ever think about that? Like, when did people just start, you know, getting, you know, standing there, closing the door, getting in a quiet place, and just mouthing words to God? When did that begin? Well, I don't know if any of you, maybe someone witnessed to you or something in your life and told you about Jesus when you were not um, a Christian, or, or maybe you've just been in the Christian world, and you've heard this saying, and if you stick around in the Christian world long enough, you will hear this saying, okay, or you'll read it on a bumper sticker or something, where they say of Christianity, oh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And you know, I used to say that a lot, and I never really knew what it meant. <laughs> But I was like, but that's what it is. Oh, it's not a religion. And I was like, yes, it is, you know, in my head. But it's a relationship. But, but you know, it's actually true. It's not a religion. It is a relationship. And we can take it all the way back in the Bible to Genesis 3.8. And this is the scripture that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. This is the first instance of prayer in the Bible, and we already determined that prayer is going to be talking with God. And this is where, where we get that it's, a, it's about a relationship and not a religion. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, referring to Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Now, what this passage implies, okay, right? Adam and Eve in the garden, they just sinned. They did the thing they were not meant to do. God told them, don't eat of the fruit. They ate of the fruit. Then God is walking in the garden and they can hear him. Now, the implication here is that this isn't the first time that God came into the garden for a little walk and a little chat with Adam and Eve. See, it's implied that this happened a lot. That God would come and he would, and he would have fellowship with humanity, with, with Adam and Eve. And he'd come and he'd walk with them and he'd talk with them. And they'd talk about beautiful things and about all the animals. And they'd talk about what their favorite food was that God made in the garden. They'd talk about everything, okay? Because it was a relationship and that's what happened. But the difference right here, why Adam and Eve heard God come in this time and now they were afraid is because, um, because of the sin in their life. And that's why they were hiding. Okay. Um, so walking and talking with God in a beautiful garden was how it was meant to be. That is how our prayer life talking to God, was always meant to be. And note this, that the Garden of Eden, before we did any sin, there was no troubles. There was no burdens to bring to Jesus. There was no pray for this disease. Pray about this, God. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm praying about this, God. Or I'm, I'm really troubled. There were no troubles. It was paradise, absolute paradise. 
And, and so what did they talk about? What, did you, what do you talk about with God when there's no troubles, right? Because by today's standards, people only want to go to God or only compelled to go to God. God really loves this sermon. He's loving it. <laughs> um, but they only, you know, if, if Adam and Eve had that mindset, they would never talk to God. But they talk to God about anything and everything. And I imagine, it doesn't say this, but it does say in the Bible that God laughs and he does definitely have a sense of humor from things. He even has been sarcastic if you read some of the prophets and read some of their writings. I bet they had a laugh with God. I bet they had a beautiful relationship with him, laughing, joking, just having a beautiful, beautiful time, and there were no troubles. Troubles came after the fall. Troubles came um, after the sin. And what happened was sin messed up the relationship, didn't it? It messed up everything with God, and they were cast out of the garden. Their friendship with God was spoiled, and everything was changed. You see, it wasn't what it was meant to be anymore. They weren't in this beautiful place anymore waiting to hear, I hear God. I can imagine Adam and Eve have, saying, I'm going to get to him first. I'm going to get to him first and running to go meet the Lord in the garden. No more. It was all gone. They were cast out and they were, the world was filled with sin and getting worse by the day. And the, the scripture again implies that as time progressed after that, after Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden and everything was ruined, the relationship with God, the connection with God was all ruined, that the implication then is that people started not talking to God anymore. And it became a time when people were not calling out on God anymore. But then something again happened on the timeline of humans, and it said that people again wanted God. Something happened in people and they again wanted God because of this scripture in Genesis 4:26. It says, Seth also, Seth is a child of Adam and Eve, also had a son and he named him Enosh. At that time, people people began to call on the name of the Lord. So it started to happen again. And you know, when people named people in the Bible, it meant something. They usually named their children after stuff that was going on in society, in the world, in their family. Now this name, this guy Seth, named his son Enosh. And the name Enosh means man. But it doesn't just mean like man as in humanity. It means, it, it refers to man as being weak and, um, and mortal and um, like a sense of, of sickness. So you see, again, man must have realized we're in trouble. Things are not great. Things are not good. And so they began to call on the name of the Lord again. Not a bad thing to do when you're in trouble, but it's better than that, isn't it? To, we can call on the Lord in good times, in any times. But again, it took trouble to get man, humanity, back to calling out on the name of the Lord. And why? Why would they call upon the name of the Lord when they felt this trouble rising up in them, when they sensed their frailty and their, their, their mortality? Why would they do that? And the reason is, we go back to that garden again, because when God made humans, he hardwired it into who we are from our very beginnings that we are to have connection with him. And when we don't have it, we are not content. We are not happy. 
And, um, you know, you notice this because even people in the world who know nothing about God, who never call upon God, don't really, they're not religious, they don't have any upbringing of God. When they are in a terrible or tragic situation, they pray. They call upon the name of God. We even see that in the world. Did you know that human beings are the only ones who do that? I have two dogs, and I've had them for a number of years, and I have never once, not even if I've peeked my head around a corner quick, caught them praying, ever. Even when I'm praying, they're just sitting there scratching their ear or, you know, looking at me like, is it time for food yet? While I'm praying, calling out to God, there's nothing in an animal that, that wonders. You know, my dog never looked at me and said, where am I going after I die? Because the dog doesn't care because it's not hardwired into them. Why do people ask these questions? It, it, it boggles my mind when people say that we're like animals. I don't know any animals who sit there and think, what is the meaning of life? No, even, even an animal, like the, the closest thing I could get to, to an animal that prays is a little bug called a praying mantis. It doesn't actually pray. It just has hands that look like this. So they call it a praying mantis. It does not pray. No animals pray. People pray. And did you know this? Super interesting. There is not a culture on this earth or ever has been that does not have a word or, or, um, or understand prayer. They, they, every culture on this earth has something in it where they understand what prayer is. Isn't that amazing? They might not all be praying to the God of the Bible, the God that we pray to, but they understand every culture, even cultures that have been unearthed from thousands of years ago, there is still people who were praying. There's an understanding, a hard wiring to connect with God within us, and without it, we are not content. Okay. Well, the good thing is that we started calling out to God again as humanity. But did you know that there came a time when God also said, I want that connection back too. I want it too, people. I want this. So we're going to fast forward a little bit now to the time of Moses. And in the time of Moses, God made a form where he wanted us. And it was very visual. And it was for people to learn that he, want, he wants to, people to pray, that we should pray, and he wants us to pray, and he loves that we pray. And, he, and so what happened was Moses, you all know Moses, right? Moses was the one who led the children of Israel all through the desert for 40 years to get God's people into the promised land, right? Okay, well, that Moses, he came to Moses, and he said, Moses, he said, this is, I want connection back with you and with the people. I want that back again, just as bad as you want it. I want it too. And so he came to Moses and gave him this huge plan, commands to build something called the tent of meeting. Okay, come on. The name's on the tin, the tent of meeting. He wants to meet with people. Isn't God good? He's not complicated. I love that because I don't understand complicated things. And um, sometimes I'm a little, you know, like, what does that mean, God? Tent of meeting. It's the tent where you meet with God, okay? And that's what he wanted. But not just that. He was making that, but, but God, who's such a wonderful teacher, teacher, also said, I want priests. I want priests to be the go-between between humans and me. And I want these priests. I want an altar. Build me an altar, Moses. And at this altar, I want you to meet twice a day, morning and evening, for 
for all the time you're traveling through the desert, forever actually, I want you to meet twice a day, morning and evening, where that priest is going to lead the people in prayers and praising and sacrificing. I want that twice a day. And God implemented that system in because he wanted to get to show people this is what I want. You're hardwired for it. I love it, and I want you to do it. I'm making a whole visual symbolic thing so you can see it, and you can sense it, and you can go, oh, oh, yeah, okay. The other thing that um, uh, the priests had um, at that two times a day when they were meant to meet is God said, I want you to make another thing, Moses. I want you to make another altar. And it's called the altar of incense. And I want you to, to make, to, to, to light some smelly, beautiful incense twice a day. I want the priests to do it twice a day that while you're praying, this beautiful smell is going up to heaven. And you know what that is? That God said, he want that to represent our prayers that that's what he thinks, that's what he's thinking when you're praying, is that your prayers to smell beautiful to him, and they rise up to him, and they're just permeate the air with the most beautiful fragrance. And God wanted the people to have a visual, to have something that where they can smell this and go, oh, that's what God's thinking when I'm praying to him. He loves when I talk to him. That's what he thinks. And that's what would encourage the people to pray. And even David said in the Psalms, uh, Psalm 141, 2, let my prayer be set before you as incense. So when there's incense in the Bible and it's going up to God, that's, that represents the prayers of the people. Now, let's fast forward. Whoop, time a little bit more down the line. Let's fast forward to Jesus. Okay, Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins. You know, he's the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that fixed healed our connection with God so that um, what Jesus did was he fixed it. See, Moses was just showing us that, you know, that this priest could be the go-between. But, but God's intention the whole time was, I am going to fix this connection and make it perfect again. Jesus came. He died. He fixed the connection. And what Jesus did um, supply, made this possible, Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly now to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace and help when we need it most. You see, prior to Jesus, only the priest could take the people in. But now Jesus made it simple for us. We don't need an altar. We don't need a tent of meeting. You know, if the room smells, you can light a little candle or something, but you don't need incense, not necessary, okay? But Jesus made it now so that prayer, which God never changed his mind about it, he just changed it and made it easy for us now, that we can come whenever we want, any time of day, no matter what. And we could come to him that easy, like now. We came to him and we prayed. Did I have to do all ceremony and everything? No. When you go back to your car later, if you want to pray, if you want to say something to God, you can just say it. No go-between. We could now come boldly before his throne. Nobody needs to help us get there because Jesus did the job. Wonderful. Okay. 
Um, so God loves hearing our prayers. Now, let's talk about the elements of great prayer, okay? We all kind of know the elements of not great prayer because we've been in prayer times, our own, where we think, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm just sitting here. I feel like I'm talking to the wall, you know? It, does God even hear me? I don't even know. Would he listen to this? Maybe this is not that. It is, okay? Thank you. He's totally with me on this today. I'm just telling you. <laughs> he really wants you to pray, okay? Woo. Thank you, Lord. Okay. The first element of really, really good prayer comes with an attitude, comes with a thinking, and that's knowing that God is good. All right? You don't want to go to anyone bad and talk to them, do you? You don't want to talk to somebody when you know you're going to go up to them and they're going to give you a slap. Or they're just going to roll their eyes at you and make you feel bad, right? The first thing you need to know about prayer, good element of prayer, is God is good. Okay? Not knowing God's good makes prayer very hard. And Psalm 103, there's too many scriptures in the Bible to talk, that talk about God's goodness. I, I, I could just talk endlessly if I were to give you scripture after scripture after scripture. Nowhere in the scripture, by the way, does it say God is bad. Nowhere. It always says God is good. Psalm 103.8, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. That is our God. If you have any other thought of what God is like in your head, he's mean, he's a tyrant, he hates me. Oh, I'm embarrassed, uh, you know, of God because he's going to shame me for what I bring to him. Mm -mm. And it says he's slow, very slow to anger. He is not angry at you. And you say, I, but you don't know what I've done. Did you know the people, the children of God, it, it took hundreds of years before before he actually acted on what he said would have to happen to them for their sin. And they sinned awfully and terribly. And it took God a very long time before he acted upon what he said he would do. Because he gives every chance. He loves you. He is not angry at anyone in this room or watching online. Okay. Um, okay. Also, it says in Matthew, verse, uh, Matthew 7, 9 through 11. You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give him a stone instead? Or they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? It's almost that Jesus used a bit of humor here. He's saying, come on, all you sinful people, you know how to be good to your kids. Don't you think that a perfect, wonderful father with no sin in him knows how to give good gifts to his children? Absolutely. That's what the answer came to be. Absolutely, yes. Okay, so number one, he says he's good. Come to know you're coming to a good God. Number two, you got to have faith. And faith is as simple as this, trusting God. That's all it is. It's just trusting God. And you have to trust that he is a good God, right? That's the first bit. And if you come to him, you can have faith in a God who you know has your back. You know, you, he know, you know he wants to help you. You know he cares about you. You know he knows the best for you and is going to do the best for you. Have faith. And it says, Matthew 21, 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. If you have faith, you have to trust him. 
You have to trust him. And I know some people here might say, but I don't have faith or I don't have very strong faith. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It says that everyone, the scripture says, has been granted a little bit of faith. You have at least a little bit of faith, like a mustard seed, a tiny little seed. Everyone has that. Now, you have the option in life to grow that faith, but you have at least a little, and that's enough. That's enough. Okay, next thing for great prayer, forgive. Forgive. Did you know unforgiveness, when you come to God, is like the big elephant in the room? It is. It is. And you're trying to talk to God, right? But this big mammoth thing is in your way, and you're like, God, God, um... Uh, you know, I want to pray for, I have this, my, my car broke down and, um, you know, and you're trying to see past this big mammoth thing of unforgiveness. Did you know you cannot go to God when you have unforgiveness in your life? You can, but he says what you need to do, that's what you're going to hear, is forgive this person. And you're trying to say, but I have this need and I blah, blah, blah. And he's, and he's saying, you need to forgive so-and-so. You have to forgive. Forgive and let it go. Whoever, whoever did it, whatever it is, go to God and say, I forgive them, Lord. I release it. Because you want God to hear your prayers and have no, nothing in the way. Perfect, clear way for your prayers to go straight to God. And it says this. Mark eleven twenty five. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. Forgive. It might be hard, but it is getting in the way of your communication with God, and it isn't worth it. It's not worth it. That person who did that thing, it's not, they are not worth you getting your prayers unanswered. Forgive. Okay, next thing. Come thankful. All right, that's a great element of prayer, to make prayer times great. Come thankful. You know, just so you know, he hears you no matter what attitude you come. You might come grumpy. He still hears you. You might come sad. He hears you. You might come to him anxious and really stressing out. He still hears you. But I'm talking about elements of great prayer time. And one of the elements of great prayer time is that in spite of those things that you are feeling, in spite of all the trouble that you know you want to talk to God about, there's always things to be grateful for. Always, always, always. You woke up that day so that you could even bring your troubles to God. Thank him for that. Um, you're breathing air. Thank him for that. Fresh air, clean air. Um, you have friends and family. Thank him for that. You know, thank him for what you do have, not for what he didn't do yet or that you don't have. Because that in itself, what God understood so well about humanity is this. 
Well, he said in Psalm 100, verse 4, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The best way to go is with a thankful heart because even psychology has discovered today that when people, what they tell people in, in, if you go to a psychologist, if you go and you're troubled and you're struggling with anxiety and depression, they are going to put a paper in front of you and it'll have one through ten and they say, I want you to think of ten things that you are grateful for. And you're thinking, what does that have to do with my depression? What does that have to do with my anxiety? And it is everything. But God knew that before psychology knew that. And when we go in with a thankful heart, our whole perspective changes. Everything about the way we see him changes. All of a sudden, that burden that felt so heavy feels a little less heavy. Our whole perspective changed. And you know what? As you go into your prayer time now to then speak about the troubles that you have, you are going to feel lighter. You're going to feel not so heavy. And you're going to be able to cast it even better and easier upon him because your heart is that much lighter. God knew that. And so he says, if you want excellent prayer time, start with thanksgiving. Okay? He's giving you an edge on, how, on what works best in prayer. Okay. Um, next of great prayer. Pray about everything. Everything. When you go to God, do not think, oh, well, it is God. I better talk about something really holy. Let me think of a holy subject I can talk about with him. Hmm. No. God wants to talk to you about what you're thinking about. What's troubling you? What makes you happy? What you're joyful about? The best thing that happened in your day. The worst thing that happened in your day. You know, he wants to know the real you. Not, he's not waiting for you to talk about holy subjects. He wants to just talk to you about anything and everything. And it says in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. There is nothing off the table with God. If it's in your heart and if it's troubling you, doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is, Someone might think your problem is so small. I remember once there was um, in a former church I used to go to as a child. In the church, I think he was sat down quite quickly. But he said, he got up and he said to the people, don't bring your silly things to God like you have a headache or a cold. Bring him the big things like cancer. And, and, and I remember the pastor got up very quickly and, and, and said, okay, you can sit down now. And he said, no. Bring everything to God. Bring your broken toenail to God if it's bothering you. Bring your little small pimple to God if it's bothering you. And bring cancer. And bring debt. And bring all your trouble. Because all of it is tiny to God. All of it. There you go. A little perspective switch there. You know, we look at things and they look like mountains. To God, it's like... You know, it's nothing. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? We have such a big, wonderful God. Okay. The other thing is when you bring everything, right, your burdens, you bring your big bag of burdens, lay them at his feet and don't pick them up again. <laughs> don't grab the bag on the way out of your troubles. And you know how you know if you've grabbed the bag of troubles and brought it home with you? You're still troubled. 
you are still troubled. I actually heard of someone who really struggled with this in their prayer time of leaving it with God. So what they did was they got, they made this little like basket thing and they hung it up on a door. And every time they prayed about a thing that was really just messing them up inside, they wrote it on a paper, crumpled it up, threw it in the basket. And they went about their week. If that thing started troubling them again, they went, oh, there you go. They went back to the basket, pulled it out, put it there and said, God, I am so sorry. I took this thing back in the week. I have to do it again. Crumple it up again. Throw it back in the basket. It was a little visual for them because they knew they took that until that thing was good and in that basket and they forgot about it and left it with the Lord. God, again, he agrees with that. He likes that one. Okay. All right. Next element of great p- prayer is prayer is not a monologue. A monologue is when one person does all the talking. Prayer is two-way communication. Back to our, 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 our prototype, what we want prayer to get back to, like in the garden. Adam and Eve were talking to God, but God was talking back with Adam and Eve. It was two-way conversation. And let me put this to you. What God has to say to you is so much better than what you've got to say to God. So you have to leave time to listen. And, and that's the part that could almost feel a little awkward because you're, this is what I do. I go to God. I pray. I do it all. I say, I give all the problems. I praise. I worship. I give it all to God. But at the end of my prayer, and I mean this with all sincerity to him, I say, God, what do you want to say to me? Is there anything in this time that you want to say to me, because I value every word that you say. The Bible actually says man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I tell God, I can't just live on natural bread this week, Lord. I need your words. And so I'll get quiet, and I'll I'll quiet myself down. I'll just, I won't be praying. I just quiet myself down. Sometimes I close my eyes. Sometimes I keep them open and I just sit and I listen. I keep a little diary here with me. And if I hear God, and and I'm not saying hear like necessarily with my ears. Sometimes you hear it in your heart. Sometimes you hear him say, I need you to forgive so-and-so. Or you know that, that 10 pound you got in your wallet? I want you to give that to somebody today. I'll tell you who. You know, and you just feel these impressions. Or sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes I say, okay, I'm not hearing anything in particular. I get out my Bible, do a little reading, and all of a sudden, something comes out, and woo, I think you are talking to me through that scripture, God. That really means something to me right now. Thank you. Because God, whatever God says, is never going to be different from what's in his word, is it? He's never going to say, yeah, Gina, you know that person you, you really struggle with? You can go kill them. That's not in the Bible. That's not okay, okay? It's not in the Word. You will never hear that from God. It will say to forgive them, okay? Love them. Maybe that 10 pound in my pocket was for them, you know? (laughs) I don't know. But it's two-way communication and leave a little listening time. And also, don't, don't say, okay, God, you've got this little 10 minutes now for me to, you've got to talk to me and that's it. No, go about your day and leave it open. Say, I'm open all day, God. Talk to me. Whatever. Anytime. Leave it open. Okay. And, and just in case you say, oh, I'm not really one who hears the voice of God. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. You know why you're a Christian today and why you gave your heart to Jesus? Because you heard him. 
knocking at the door of your heart. So never tell me that you don't hear Jesus. You are his lambs. And it says his lambs hear his voice and follow him. You definitely heard his voice. And you follow him. So you hear him. Okay. All right. Um, now, here are some elements just mentioned quick that, that make prayer times. I talked about things that make prayer time good. Here's some stuff that make it not so good. Making demands of God as if he owes you. That doesn't re that's not really good. Like, you owe me, God. I've been good this week. You know, <laughs> you better do this. No, that doesn't make for good prayer time. How about viewing prayer as only asking for things? Eh, that's not a good prayer time. That's a Christmas list. And that's not what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. It is included in there, but it's not some kind of slot machine. Put a prayer in, get, a pr get an answer out. Put a prayer in, get an answer out. That's not it. It's a communication. You're talking to a living God who's listening to you and hearing you and seeing you intimately and deeply, deeper than you know yourself. Okay. And trying to manipulate God in order to control him. There, there's, I, you know, we've all been guilty of this probably at one time or another. Like, you know, if I do this, God, I'm expecting you to do this, you know. Or, um, or if you don't do this for me anymore, God, I'm not going to church anymore. Huh? What? No, we can't manipulate God. Those things make for not good prayer time. So don't, so throw those things out. Now, this is, um, we're at the end of this now, okay? But this is important. When am I meant to pray? Are we meant to pray in times of trouble? Yes. Okay, answer's yes. It's not a trick question. Are we meant to pray when things are good? Yes, yes. But did you know God wants more than that? He says, this is when he wants you to pray. All the time. And you think, oh my goodness, that is quite demanding, God. Come on, all the time. And he calls it praying without ceasing. And does that mean I have to literally pray every minute of the day and say, no, excuse me, don't talk to me. You know, the, someone in the shop tries to, I'm praying right now. I can't talk to you. I can't talk to any of you. I'm praying. No, that's just silly and weird. What God is saying, what I want you to do is adopt a lifestyle of prayer. I want you to be praying in your heart all the time, sometimes with actual words, maybe when you're driving. You know, or when you're alone. But pray in your heart as well. Pray things in your heart when there's people all, all around. He hears you. He hears what you're saying in here and in here, in your head and in your heart. Be praying throughout the day. As things happen throughout your day, as you see troubling things. You know, when I see an ambulance go by, I pray. Because I know somebody on the other end of that's in trouble. And I put out a petition because maybe nobody's praying for that person. You know, sometimes, there's a guy, there's one particular guy, he does not even know it. And he walks through my town all the time. And every, he's got a physical disability. And every time I see this man, um, he doesn't know me, I don't know him, but my heart is moved to pray for him. Every time I see him, if I see him in a supermarket, I say, Lord, that man, Lord, heal that man. I'm praying for that man, Lord, that he would come to know you. He is like the most prayed for stranger ever. He, no, he doesn't even know that I'm petitioning God for him, you know? You could be doing the same thing. God, he, all day, sending up that beautiful fragrance to him. All day, 
praying without ceasing. It's not meant to be a hardship. It's meant to be a blessing. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But then sometimes we're like, but I'm going to ignore you, even though you're right here with me all the time. <laughs> no, we can acknowledge that he is with us all the time by talking to him. He is your best friend, whether you know it or not. He loves you, whether you pray or not. And he wants your communication all the time, all the time. He wants to hear from you. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it right there, okay? But um, what I do want to say is this. You know, if you have no prayer life, you know, we're excited that during this whole time that we're going to be talking about prayer, that you're going to get excited about starting a prayer life. If you've got no prayer life, if you do pray or if you find it, you do pray and it's a little boring or it's a little frustrating or you don't know what you're doing. What we're excited for during this series is that you're going to get a new perspective on prayer and that, that it's going to, pr uh, your prayer times are going to be different. They're going to be ignited with power and that you're going to be excited. So we're praying for you those who have one, but you're not satisfied with it. But those, there's probably those of you who have a dedicated and enjoyable prayer life. And maybe you think this isn't for you. Well, that's not true because we serve an eternal God and he is inexhaustible. You can go deeper. You can go deeper. And here's, here's what I'm saying to you. This is the invitation. God's giving you an invitation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the invitation. That comes from Psalm 34, 8. This week, if you don't have a prayer time, when you leave this place, get in your car. 30 seconds, just pray. Just talk to him. Tell him, God, my heart's ignited. I want to pray. I'm not good at it. I want to be. Teach me during this series to pray. All right. That's, that's the homework this week. But what I want to talk, who I want to talk to now is, I said earlier that we have this connection with God, right? That we're, it's hardwired within all humans to be connected to God. But maybe you say, I've never had my connection fixed. I've, I don't have a relationship with God. I, I don't know him. I, I, you know, I've come to church today, but, you know, I came with a friend or I've been coming a while and I don't really have a connection to God. You can have that connection with God. You can have that hardwiring you be satisfied where God comes into your life and he will become your Lord and your Savior. And you can begin a prayer life that's thriving with a friend, a father who's with you forever. I'm going to say a prayer right now. We're all going to close our eyes. If you can close your eyes. I'm going to pray this prayer. And at the end of it, if you are one who wants to give your life to God and you want that connection with God, then we're all going to say amen, okay? Let's close our eyes and pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I am a sinner and I want to be forgiven. I have no connection with you and I want that connection with you. Father, I want to be your child. I want to be that lamb that hears your voice. I want you in my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin and come into my life. Amen. 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 Keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, please. Is there anyone in this room who said that for the very first time? Who's prayed that prayer for the very first time? Beautiful. I have seen hands go up. And, and God's saying, this is the best decision you could ever make. I cannot wait 
to have a communion with you every day, to talk to you every day, to hear your voice every day. So you can all lift your heads now. Um, if you were one who raised your hand, at the back, there's a, 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 a billboard that says best decision ever made or best decision ever. At the end, we have a gift for you, a Bible and some people who just wanna ask you a few questions and have a little chat with you. At the end, go back into that corner over there and, um, and, and talk about that beautiful decision that you just made. I just want to say now that I want you all to have a beautiful week this week. I want God to bless you and go home and begin your prayer life. But it's only going to improve as you come and as you learn more about prayer. And I want to say this over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to, to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a beautiful week. Amen.